Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 55 with service to your local animated trailer park. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember that, unfortunately, on our flights today, we will have to journey without bathrooms. But we have provided each of you with your own personal supply of Gritty Kitty Cat Litter. Gritty <laughs> Kitty Cat Litter. So good, you might want to eat it. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My <laughs> name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Oh, man, I'm so good. I've gotten absolutely addicted to these eBay celebrity charity bids you could do. I just spent $26,000 to make a midday Duncan run with Ben Affleck. <laughs> I, I, can, I couldn't be more excited to be uh, talking about the show with you two idiots. Oh, my gosh. Well... <laughs> Boys, this week, um, for those who have not caught on, we are talking about a 90s nostalgia classic in Ren and Stimpy. But before we dive too deep into this show, Max, do you mind telling folks at home what this podcast is all about? So here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous or in some cases infamous shows. We talk about how these shows came to be and were originally made, if they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more, and if they can be made today. Go back and stream our library of episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to see our smiling faces. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Uh, cheers to that. And uh, I'm also super excited that we're doing two Nickelodeon shows back to back. That is, uh, that's the first time we've ever done that, I think, to uh, maybe maybe an HBO show here or there. Um, but I would love to know from the 90s, like, what is the cartoon that you think could still hold up today? Same topics, same characters, same relevancy. Um, personally, my choice is going to be Doug. Uh, big fan of anything that just recognizes that the Beatles exist, uh, but in this, but in the same, uh, and and you know, there's still the desire for the main character to be a rock star as a teenager, and uh, you know, who didn't have a friend named Skeeter growing up? That's uh, that's a ubiquitous name. Uh, we all had that friend, Skeeter. If you're listening, Skeeter's everywhere. Uh, all the the listeners of TV Pilots License are now referred to as Skeeters. Uh, <laughs> Stop. I'm curious. Stop giving them nicknames. They have so many <laughs> nicknames. They can't keep track. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Hey Arnold. I think that the way that that show tackled uh, just like diversity and living. actual social issues was was so well done for 1996. Um, I don't know. And any show that makes basketball so relevant is my <laughs> I, I I will say I learned a lot about the the opera Carmen from that show. So uh, it, it was a cultural it was a cultural important uh, it had cultural importance to me. Yeah, and you know I think we'll inevitably probably do Hey Arnold. Um, I I absolutely am in love with that show. Luckily, I have another one that I think all of us grew up with, and um i'm very thankful for and that's the rugrats yeah. uh talk about on-screen representation for three jewish boys seeing a jewish <laughs> main character in a animated tv show now, um on, for my research for the game of the week i actually found out that the anti-defamation league had uh reached out to the creators of rugrats because they said the two i want to say it was the grandmother and grandfather were too stereotypically Jewish to be like present uh, presented to kids. And I'm like, but what other Jewish cartoons exist? Sorry. Also, have you met any of our grandparents? <laughs> the anti-defamation defamation league is reaching out to your bubby right now. <laughs> um, well, Rich, thank you so much for that question of the week. Before we dive any deeper into Ren and Stimpy, a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. Welcome back. 
Um, and thanks to our sponsors. Let's talk a little bit more about Ren and Stimpy. And we're going to start off with a quick synopsis. Ren, a psychotic chihuahua, and Stimpson J. Cat, a dim-witted <laughs> Manx cat who goes by the nickname Stimpy, have a host of unusual adventures. Perfect. Perfect. Chef's kiss. No notes. Uh, Max, how did this show get made? That's that's probably my favorite one-liner of any show we've done so far. Kudos to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we've mentioned, we are covering the Red and Stimpy show today. And actually, an exciting bit, we get to cover not only the Nickelodeon pilot, but we're also going to be talking about the, believe it or not, Film Fest original short that aired a year before. So we're going to be covering two segments today. Uh, the film festival short titled Big House Blues, which originally premiered on August 10th, 1990, as well as the first episode on Nickelodeon titled Stimpy's Big Day and The Big Shot, which aired on August 11th, 1991. And before we begin, we're going to be talking about the creator of the show, uh, a gentleman by the name of John Crickfalusi, commonly known by his showrunner name, John Kay. And I want to just be very clear here for those who are familiar with John Kay's work. He is not a good person. Uh, This is someone who, in the years since the show went off the air, it's been revealed that he abused his power in the workplace, uh, just really acted in incredibly inappropriate and inexcusable behavior. This episode that we're doing today is not to praise his animation legacy, but to discuss a show that had such a cultural landmark on the 90s whose influence is so clearly seen in so many cartoons of the mid to late 90s, even today, uh, the style that they hearkened back to really bringing back this kind of like golden era, Hanna-Barbera looking animation that mm-hmm. had gone by the wayside of the 80s. And it it is, it's a, it's a cultural touchstone show. And to only make it about John Kay is to discredit the incredible work done by so many other animators, writers, storyboarders, people who have gone on to create incredible family trees in animation. So, uh, Crick Falusi first creates the origins of Ren and Stimpy while in college in the late 1970s. He was inspired to create Ren by the Elliot Erwitt photo, New York City, 1946, depicting a sweater-wearing chihuahua at a woman's feet on the streets of New York City, the most intellectual thing I'm going to say for the next hour. <laughs> Wait, nineteen uh, New York City, nineteen forty-six. Yeah, that's the name of the photo. That was the inspiration for Ren. Wow. Uh, Stimpy was inspired by the way Looney Tunes depicted house cats as having big round noses. Like I said, the most inf- intellectual thing I'll say for the next hour. <laughs> uh, can I just can I show you guys this photo really quick? Because this is I'm, the most psychotic-looking yeah, chihuahua I've ever seen. And I can't if believe- you're if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I'll actually throw this up on our YouTube, and you can check our YouTube as Rich has a has the photo. Uh, Here it and comes it is to haunt wild. your dreams. <laughs> Rich, just leave that up on your screen for the rest of this broadcast. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally down. This is like, oh, you can buy it for twenty five thousand dollars. Oh, do it, <laughs> do it. Yeah, put put it up, put it up on your house, put it next yeah, to the you. diarrhea painting. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a what a collection! I'm Sotheby's is gonna love me. Oh, That's man, not even. It, in, oh my god! If it is your first time flying with us and you just heard hanging up next to the diarrhea painting, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, go check out the Taskmaster episode right now. I, Anywho, it, yeah, oh my gosh. So John K. moves to Los Angeles uh, in the late '70s, and he works for animation studios, including Filmation and Hanna Barbera in the 1980s, and is even the animation director for a Rolling Stones music video in 1986. Crick Falusi starts an independent animation studio of his own called Spumco and gets the opportunity to pitch some ideas to Nickelodeon who are looking to branch into new artistically driven cartoons, hearkening back to that golden age of animation. He pitches a show called Our Gang, which is a live action host introducing the audience to a variety of shorts each week, each cartoon being a parody of famous cartoons or cartoon genres from back in the day. Nick's VP of animation, Vanessa Coffey, isn't fond of Our Gang, but really likes two pet characters in one of the pitches and sets up John Kay with the seed money to produce a pilot based on the two of them alone, Ren and Stimpy. The pilot short Big House Blues begins production in 1989, hand-drawn, done completely in-house, 
personally directed, heavily storyboarded, and the summer of 1990 begins a rollout of film festivals to promote the project Nickelodeon. In December of 1990, this short is actually attached to the theatrical rollout for Arnold Schwarzenegger's Kindergarten Cop and was seen before it in its theatrical run. What? Yeah. Yeah, so like, kind of like back <laughs> in the 80s, you, like you got like a cartoon before the movie. They attached Red and Stimpy yeah, to then Kindergarten you, Cop. Yeah, you got an update from the front. The show's production style goes back to this golden age of Hanna-Barbera animation. It's super director-driven. Its animation style is much more rounded and less of that like very rigid, action figure look of the 1980s that we've talked about in previous episodes here. Mm-hmm. John Kay oversees every detail of the show, including voicing Ren in the show's first two seasons. However, after season two, he is fired by Nickelodeon for creative differences, budget issues, and failure to meet deadlines. The show does run for several more seasons successfully without his involvement, with Billy West, who voiced Stimpy, also taking over duties as Ren. It's also worth noting the show is currently greenlit for a revival without John Kay's involvement in any way, shape, or form, nor will he be receiving any compensation for it. Thank you so much for that, man. Uh, this yeah. is like, this is one of the, I don't, have we done a show with like a, this complicated of a legacy before? I don't know if we have. Uh, I mean, we could argue over some people being terrible human beings that after a show has come up and, um, you know, it's, I hate to go. There's a very famous, uh, quote from a superhero movie that if you live long enough, you become the villain. Uh, and you know, that seems to happen a lot in with people who are involved in some of the shows that you love. Um, you know, a, a certain family show that Rich loves to reference is definitely one of those. Oh, only our Patreon followers will know that our lost <laughs> episode. <laughs> we should also uh, point out here if any of our parents are listening to this episode. Yeah, that's it. We watched Red and Stimpy. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I will say I, I did not. This is one of the few shows like as a as a child that scared the hell out of me. I really like really like I, I know it set like the tone for shows like Cow and Chicken and like Rocco's Modern Life and a bunch of shows that had a crazy absurdist like gross out factor to it. But I my young brain just could not handle the level of grossness and like body horror and all, all that stuff that that Ren and Stimpy came to be known for. My brain now could barely handle it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely for for folks who are listening to this episode and are like, you know what? I'm going to go back and watch Ren and Stimpy. Uh, like, let's just kick it off and talk about the style of animation because Max, I think calling it Hanna Barbera style is like it. It's true, but like, there's the addition of there's also this almost grotesque level of detail that's included in oh, the animation. Oh, no, no, no. We never saw Huckleberry Hound's innards in a head of Barbera cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the Patreon followers. You can come see him. <laughs> Huckleberry Hound's innards. <laughs> Only $8 a month. And, like, let's, let's just kick it off with talking about this short. Um, you can find the short online. Um, as Max said, it was before Kindergarten Cop, which is absolutely insane considering kindergarten cop is like this family movie and this short is so intriguing in the sense of it does sort of have that like vibe of like oh it's in the we're maybe in the 50s or the 60s um america where you know like dad had a job and mom stayed at home like the nuclear family very much present even with the voiceover and the music but then we have like this story about these two animals that are starving uh, and old man hunger and old man pigeon. And somehow, even in this wild scene where I was just like, maybe I should be on drugs watching this. <laughs> I, I'm so engaged at the same time. <laughs> I love the first line of voiceover exposition, which is now, believe it or not, I've a no to tell a lie, but this here is a true story, which kind of just, it it sets it up so nicely of what you're going to see is so far from true. It's so far from real. You have an unreliable narrator. And so anything is possible. I think that kind of just sets up that you have potential to play in this fun, weird world. And Jeff kind of mentioned 
they kept referring to secondary characters as old man blank, and they do it like four times in a seven minute <laughs> cartoon of people being introduced as old man something, and I laughed harder every single time. It's such a yeah. good running joke. I, I refer to my mailman as old man mailman, and he really is not a fan of me, so maybe I should stop. Because it's a woman who's 30 years old. (laughs) (laughs) She gets great benefits, though. So, like, good on her. Um, But in the, like, the thing that I think is so interesting about this is, like, I, I keep on going to the idea that this short film and Max, like, now that you've revealed this fact, this short film was showed before Kindergarten Cop, Arnold Schwarzenegger stealing the hearts of Jeff America. Can't get off of that. I, I no, because, because then in this cartoon, we have a the the cat and the dog go to a shelter or mm-hmm. a pound um, where portrayed then we learn jail. about. Yeah, which portrayed as a jail, which is great. We get this like idea of like, oh, I love getting my one square meal a day. And then they put the dog down. And like, there's just this dark humor that is centered around this. And like, really, like if we're thinking about 1992, 1993, when this is coming out, that's not really a thing you're finding in many cartoons these days as, no. as a whole. I think the one thing that really struck me about all three, um, like, I don't know, cartoons that make up this collective pilot that we're doing is it feels like Looney Tunes, like it it feels like Looney Tunes ideas, but without the Looney Tunes tongue in cheek, like fake physics, fake reality nature of it. Like, you know, that's meant to. You know, uh, the the Looney Tunes creators were always like they're famous for their their rules of like how gravity works, how um, two characters are allowed to play off of each other. There is like a um, there's like a list that became public of all the rules of the uh, of Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner and stuff like that. It's like, you know, the Roadrunner has to be on a road. That's the that's the entirety of the reason it's the Roadrunner. You know, the uh, Wiley Coyote can only order product from Acme to try to destroy him. <laughs> Getting like those, fired those from are actual the Looney Tunes writer's room because you just keep wanting <laughs> to put the Roadrunner on other surfaces. So, like, <laughs> one of the things I... like Rich, has I'm really to be gl- tile. Rich, I'm really glad you brought up the Looney Tunes because one of the thoughts that I have in one of the notes I have written down is, like, what if Looney Tunes allowed their writers to use their invasive thoughts yeah. when writing a script? Because, no, like... Truly. Some of the things that happen are literally like, oh, yeah, just imagine what if one of these characters just got killed and it's like, yeah, why not? Let, that, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Um, what were any other like thoughts that you had when watching this short film? I was fascinated by the changes we see from the original short to the first pilot episode and what things stayed the same. So what we lose between this short and the premiere is that real heavy VO narration. I don't know if that's something that ever comes back in this show, but it's how he presents it up top in this, and then we don't see it again later on. Somebody that you do see setting the tone for, though, there's a lot of close-up shots for like visual gross-out humor, and you definitely see that carrying over. And you also see the use of Stimpy as basically a glorified prop. I think he has maybe... Uh, five total words that he speaks in this short, but he's mostly just used as, uh, I don't know, a a chair and for gross out humor and just kind of being scenery more than anything else. He's just like glorified furniture, but it's really fun. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, Oh geez. I'm forgetting about the book now that that's, that's bad. Uh, Moving on then. (laughs) Who cares about books? This is a TV podcast. (laughs) Max, I, I actually didn't see in the credits. Was Billy West doing the voice for Stimpy at this point? Uh, I'm not sure offhand, but I would imagine so. Okay. And, well, because he, cause he already. Thinking... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, no, no. Rich, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Because Billy, Billy West, I know, has had a massive, massive, massive career in, uh, in cartoon voiceover. Obviously, you would recognize his voice from Futurama and other things. But. Um, you know, there's a chance that they might just not have figured out Stimpy yet, I think, at this point. 
Um, and that, that could really be part of the reason that he's not involved very much, but he is supposed to be, he's the Patrick to Ren SpongeBob, I guess, if that's the, if, if we could go off of that, because he's just supposed to play the bumbling boob, right? Yeah. And like the, for the audience that was screaming, uh, what book was Jeff thinking about? It was of mice and men. Um, Jeff, you're going to have to be, there's, there's still, it's still louder. You're, they're still screaming. You have to, you have to talk louder. What if I just whispered into the mic? No, <laughs> that's on the Patreon. Uh, but in all honesty, I, yeah, I think that it is interesting that, you know, as we talk about who this show was influenced by or what this show was influenced by, it was this photo. There was no cat, right? in that photo that we showed on screen. There was just this Chihuahua and the Chihuahua of Ren is such this like gigantic character that you don't need much else. You need someone that's that companion, that silent, that almost the opposite um, to contrast in this instance. Yeah. Um, I think if you give, and I, I realize how, permeated this dynamic is with children's cartoons like you know ed ed and eddie there's one stupid one uh pinky in the brain pinky is a stupid one you know there there is a i think if you only let the adult voice speak which is ren the brain uh whichever one of ed ed and eddie is the actual smart one i can't remember um uh and and you know i i think you tend to lose the the comedy there. I think you, I think you're starting to play with two high level concepts. And I think having the dumb one to, to play off of, I think that gives the kids agency saying, Hey, I'm in on this joke too. Like this and joke Rich, isn't so complicated. On the flip side. There was one cartoon at this time, which dared to say, what if there were two stupid dogs? <laughs> oh That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> so as far as, Let's talk about the actual pilot now, or what was the first episode that aired? Uh, yeah, so in this first instance. segment is Stimpy's Big Day. And I love the opening as if we're all watching TV. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the idea that, because one, we are, but also the log commercial that oh, was wow. shown was literally insane and i loved every single i love beginning it with a commercial like like you're watching children's tv you're right that's what it is i completely forgot about this log bit for so long because i really i really had this in my brain like i really i almost remembered every single second of this log commercial the log song i everything has been fully like I don't want to compare it to a trauma, but it definitely got unlocked in a way that was similar to that. And I am shocked that I knew so much of this. It's like hearing a song that you haven't listened to in like 25 <laughs> years and you remembered every single word to it. Like uh, probably any of us with like an Eminem song or something like that. For, you remember how, every single word. It still comes back for how dumb just just collectively dumb the Reddit Stippy show is at times. It's first two segments off the bat are a parody of like the old 1960s toy commercials mm -hmm. and then a very meta commentary about how watching children's cartoons is going to rot your brain. And then we get the first like gross out gag of Ren unscrewing the top of Stimpy's head to show his pea-sized brain and then puts it back in and flushes it down. I don't know <laughs> where it went. The rules have gone out the window at this point, but it, it's, it's just fascinating how it likes to play with meta commentary that plays with old genres of children's tv like for all of its stupidity it's quite a smart show yeah it literally it unlocked talking about nostalgia like bombs it unlocked the idea of remember when like my pet rock was a toy like mm -hmm. people had rocks as toys and a man came up with this invention i and i hate that i'm calling it an invention but he made a buttload of money well, off there was of it. Also, do you remember the invisible pet from the 90s as well, which was just uh, like a suspended leash that had nothing yep. on it? Yep. I, I, I really think, and I don't know precisely the timeline of children's animation at this particular moment in time, but it feels like this show either created or really brought to the forefront the random comedy kind of thing, where it's just like they're, the the 
joke is in the specificity of something that you're coming up with. It doesn't have to be related to anything. You know, log is a, you know, it, it is something that no one can relate to, but it is very, very funny as just like a, an absurdist like comedy kind of thing. And I don't, because so many things capitalize on that immediately afterwards and still like right now, right. The, the, the joke is in the randomness of it is like, is, is something that is so, common in things like rick and morty or uh i'm I'm trying to think of other examples right now but there's uh, like comedians that kind of only deal in it right now but in that randomness is also such a truth to it too which is you could get kids video games and nice toys and nice things but at the end of the day they're just gonna go outside and play with a stick like that's, yeah, or that's like what or the box do. the box is sometimes just the best toy the in box the world is the toy the wrapping paper is the toy the stick outside leads you to a world of imagination there is truth in that mm-hmm. yeah and like we also get this very like we talked about the meta-ness of this cartoon but we also get the first joke from ren talking about Stimpy watching cartoons, uh, wasting his time, melting his brain as we're all watching this cartoon. We get this gross out humor of seeing the brain. Uh, but we also get the joke of, do you know how many, uh, your human years you've wasted <laughs> watching cartoons? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is just like, it, I, I absolutely love it. I love the mud. Uh, Muddy the Mud Skipper theme, like show theme song, which is absolutely just like it's great. And then we get the pretty kitty litter or gritty kitty litter that is just absolutely insane. This this entire pilot is insane, but I love it at the same time. There's a plot we promise, and I think we should get into it. <laughs> yeah, Max, why don't you get into that plot a little bit? So while watching the Muddy Mud Skipper show. Uh, Stimpy sees an ad for his favorite kitty litter, Gritty Kitty Litter, and there's a contest where if you write a poem, 47 million words or less, about how much you love Gritty Kitty Litter, you could win $47 million and become the new spokesman for the kitty litter. So for folks at home who are wondering, because I have a lot of free time and I was like, how long is 47 million words uh, in, in terms of like a book? Um, so the average book has 500 words on a page. That'd be a 94,000 uh, page book. The longest book in existence is 21.5 thousand pages. Uh, and that's in the Smithsonian. Um, so yeah. And I'll have you know, it was a joy to write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And also just one run-on sentence. Amazing. (laughs) They Um, never let him write another Nancy Drew novel again. I don't have the time. (laughs) Um, But it's not only $47 million. We also get a lifetime supply of goat cheese. Uh, And then, which is just The joke in the random. The joke Uh, in the random. You get 12, you get 12 hours of a 12 hour record of the uh, top hits of the seventies. And, Best of all, a trip to Hollywood to guest appear on Muddy. Um, And like, even with this joke, I was thinking about all of the sweepstakes that we would see as kids, right? Of like, oh, you could win the trip to Universal Studios, right? And it's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to absolutely send in all of the cereal box tops uh, with, you know, what my big talent yeah, is. Yeah, this is box tops. This is publisher's clearing house. This is mm-hmm. like the heyday for mailing things in or people showing up at your door with giant novelty checks. If there's a P.O. box, I'm stuffing it full of uh, <laughs> stuffing it full of entries. I'm winning a trip to whatever I possibly can. So, Rich, you sort of mentioned and we talked about the idea that Stimpy is the silent character in for the most part in the short and for the beginning of this pilot stimpy is the silent character but then we hear this voice the the inner monologue of stimpy writing out this ridiculous poem i did write the poem down uh but i'm gonna keep that to myself because (laughs) you should probably just find this pilot and watch it and hear this ridiculousness uh about talking about kitty litter but we also get the inner commentary 
of Ren being very Chihuahua-like, just barking out like the nonsense of why would you ever do this? Like no one ever wins these. These are all a ruse just to, you know, get your money and get your attention um, as a whole. Did, did y'all get anything else from this, like this moment of just such contrasting behavior from our two main characters? I mean, I would say I, I can't, I can't help, but like look at this in the lens of Max's initial um, like view of it, where it is all meta commentary. And I don't know if I've ever watched a show uh, supposedly meant for children uh, that really made fun of like what cartoons do or, or it could also just be a commentary on the commentary of it. Because I feel like at this point we've probably gone through several rounds of, you know, the Bush administration, the Reagan administration, just people weighing in on uh, like children's consumption of cartoons and like, uh, you know, kids consumption of certain content. I mean, we've had, uh, uh, what is it? The is it the guy from Twisted Sister or something like that who did that uh, the uh, speech in front of Congress, mm-hmm. or where she where he was like interviewed by Tipper Gore or something like that? It was um, it was D. Snyder. I, that's who it was. Um, you know, I think I, I honestly can't tell whether or not this is a commentary on, you know, p- parents saying that TV rots your brain, or this is them saying TV rots your brain. Have fun. <laughs> I think it could be both. I think it can actually yeah. be both things. It's coming out of this time in the 80s where every single cartoon is pretty much a 30-minute advertisement for a toy mm-hmm. or for a video game that's coming out or something of that sort where, you know, we talked about the FCC getting mad at, you know, Nick Arcade for uh like basically being at, or like Pokemon being advertisements and Nick Arcade's being advertisements towards kids. This is making fun of that. It's, you know, making fun of the consumption and what we go out and buy and what we're inspired to buy from the TV. I think if you want to get super meta, it could also be an artist hearing the voices of their parents saying, don't bother doing this creative pursuit and trying to win a trip to Hollywood because it doesn't happen to people. True. Yeah. Um, so after Stimpy is able to produce stamps via pushing out his tongue, uh, which is something that will haunt me to this day. Uh, <laughs> There's they, no rules, baby. No, no rules in animation for sure. They, we, our characters go to sleep and then are awoken uh, by two businessmen in suits. Um, which I, I absolutely love the turn of face by Ren in this moment of realizing that they just won forty-seven million dollars, or in this case, Stimpy. <laughs> Uh, won $47 million for this ridiculous poem and is now off to Hollywood, but he has to now try to steal the money uh, from the cat by saying that he's a cat. Uh, But yeah, like this, this was a moment where I was like, Oh, this is the show. This is the, this is a hundred percent. What we're the meat of what we're going for. Yeah, sure. There's going to be these small bits of meta commentary here and there, but this is how we get children into this is moments of just chaoticness from this Chihuahua character. Well, I think you eventually have to get back to what the heart of the characters is, and it has to be about the relationship between Red and Simpy. You could do meta-commentary and gross-out gags to the cows come home, but if you don't bring it back to something that grounds it and actually establishes who these characters are, what does their relationship mean to the other one, how do they feel about the other one, you don't really have a show. And so showing, you know, how Ren has this about face of like, no, this is genius. Like, this is incredible. Like you need those moments. So one of, after this moment where Stimpy realizes that he's won, he gets into the, into the limousine with the two, uh, babe, Hollywood babes, uh, (laughs) as as one does, you know, and then, um, he goes to Hollywood and there's a joke that was said initially when Stimpy was uh, writing this poem of like, Hey, muddy, uh, muddy, the mud skipper is a cartoon. He's not even real. You can't meet him. And then we go to meeting muddy, the mud skipper, this broken down Hollywood uh, figure who is a cartoon, but it's like, it's part of the meta commentary of you are watching a cartoon. Of course he can meet the other, the fellow cartoon in this moment. And it just, 
I, I absolutely just love the, these small jokes that if I was a parent, would I be terrified of my children watching this show? Yes. Would I also be loving the show at the same time? <laughs> absolutely. In this moment. And this episode basically ends with Stimpy getting a Hollywood makeover and getting introduced on the Muddy Mudskipper show. And I love the makeover sequence because he gets his eyes freshened up by physically getting removed and then put back onto his face. He gets a little wig, a little like tuft of blonde curly hair. There's a line from the PA announcer introducing Stimpy where they say, it's fresh, it's redundant, which feels like the very, <laughs> the very Hollywood thing of it's like, we're constantly trying to sell you something new, but at the end of the day, it's the same old shit that you've seen before, whereas putting a new package on it and saying it's brand new and never mm -hmm. before seen. And so, yeah, it, it then goes back to, it's this funny sequence of Stimpy getting glammed up for the camera, but also having meta commentary about Hollywood. And that basically ends our first segment. Well, not before we get this wonderful bit where it almost seems as if Stimpy has come back from Hollywood. Uh, and then he explains to everyone how to get the toy out of a box of cereal, which like <laughs> I, I absolutely loved this bit of like, oh, yeah, this is how you get the toy out. And then Ren yelling at Stimpy like that. You're being a wasteful, <laughs> wasteful cat. And I have to go to work in this like yellow outfit that just, yeah, like there's these small bits that and I think this was such a create great creative choice of breaking up the plot of our episode with these small little like 20, 30 second bits of like just a separate joke that they thought this isn't in a full episode, but this is something that I want to see made with the characters that we have. Yeah. I I'm trying to like, just from like hearing all these descriptions again, which is absolutely hilarious that we're three grown men in our thirties talking about specifically. <laughs> and then Stimpy gets his eyeballs taken out. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> podcasting is such a beautiful medium. Um, I, I'm still curious as to what the target audience is for this. I don't know because you're starting to explore a lot of concepts that are definitely over the heads of, let's say, five to 13 year olds. But around that time, you start like really questioning about like why you're watching a certain thing, what you're being sold as when you're watching this. And, uh, and I, yeah, I'm starting to, I'm, you know, obviously every cartoon has to have something for adults too. They, they all have to throw in adult jokes, you know, this one for the parents. And, you know, that is kind of like a, it's a give and take of like making a show for children uh, because, you know, the parents though, are watching man. too. The, the times are changing. We're, we're getting darker. We're getting alternative. We're, we're yeah. two weeks away from Pearl Jam's 10 coming out. We're a month <laughs> oh, away yeah. from Nirvana's never. God, mind. what a beautiful time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, 1992, the summer of love, baby. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the second half of this pilot, um, because this is where we we start to see that Stimpy is absolutely tearing it up in Hollywood with this advertisement of with Mr. Horse um, that I literally just lost my mind <laughs> because th this was like I I I was sitting watching this pilot this morning thinking to myself there's no way that i'm sober at this moment in time like i know <laughs> i haven't taken anything but at the same time there's no way that i am sober and like this is actually happening on a, a cartoon that aired on nickelodeon i will say sitting down and watching these with the intent of analysis I wouldn't say took a year off my life, but it probably took a couple weeks. <laughs> well, if we're talking about thoroughly analyzing the screens of Red and Stimpy, the beginning of this second segment, <laughs> when Ren is alone in the trailer park home, and he just exclaims, I wonder if there's any Chinese food left in the fridge, and then takes the longest comical walk from one side <laughs> of the trailer to the kitchen we see the same animation cells repeat in the background to just take the longest walk imaginable oh that's such a good and joke and then when he sings about missing stimpy 
I clock what I believe are like the opening two notes of memory from cats and the yes. way he says memories. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we all got that? Okay, yeah, we, I got that too. Definitely, you know, Broadway boy over here. <laughs> Even I got that. I've never seen cats. Um, so throughout this, we also get this grocery store example of how the kitty litter works. There's this where they use a horse horse shitting in a box, horse (laughs) shitting in a private box. And to show the strength of gritty kitty, um, which then I I have to say there was one line where it says, well, Mr. Horse does his duty, uh, which is like the dumbest, greatest. But also the the, the bathroom joke of need to see a man about a horse. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And then. There's also these like little small small touches of like we get this montage of seeing Stimpy in all of the different roles in like this very Hollywood esque like 1930s through 50s Hollywood esque, but they also like Max you talked about the Hanna Barbera uh, of it all and we do get a Hanna Barbera moment. We don't uh, in just this. get a Hanna Barbera moment. We get so many references to old cartoons. It's a parody of Yogi Bear with. Muddy Mudskipper chasing Stimpy in what's supposed to be Jellystone Park, saying to, you know, get his hands out of the picnic basket. And they quote the Jetsons with him exclaiming, Jane, stop this crazy thing. Uh, I believe he gives a like a Looney Tunes, either like That's All Folks or like Rabbit yep. Seas or something like that. And then there is one that I don't know if you guys know this reference, but when Stimpy says, I hate those Mises to pieces, that is a reference to a Hanna-Barbera cartoon called Pixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx. Literally what? never heard of that. Which was a, it was like a short that aired as part of the Huckleberry Howard show. I did not know God he was going to come it. up twice in this recording today. <laughs> but but like that's that's the moment that's for the parrots. It's, it's clocking yeah. Ren singing Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's catching a reference to Pixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx in that segment there. And it's the thing that like it gets the parents who are watching the show with their child into it. And it, it also is just fascinating, like how obsessed with like golden era this show is. Like that's where its heart is for all the grossness. What Reddit Stimpy is built on is these like tributes to the past to what these animators and voice actors and storyboarders grew up on. And that's so fun to see them playing out those parodies in real time. And at the end of this montage, after we've already known that Ren does miss Stimpy, Ren is like imagining Stimpy around the home. Um, Stimpy admits in tears to muddy the mud skipper that he really misses Ren. Um, and we end our pilot with, you know what? Stimpy isn't made out for Hollywood life. He wants to just be back in the trailer with his friend Ren uh, or his roommate Ren. And that is the end of our pilot. Yeah. But not before Stimpy gave away $47 million to show how much he missed his best friend. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think is establishing that they do actually like each other at the end of this is super crucial to the continuation of the show because, like, I you know, we're watching this understanding that yeah, that this is this is a duo that's been around for a long time. But a kid watching this for the first time, number one, can be super off put by uh, by a lot of the grossness in this, and you really got to win them over. Uh, but you, I, you don't establish any of the either familial bond friend bond that kind of thing until the absolute end of it otherwise it's just like yeah. you know ren calling stimpy an idiot and then trying to take advantage of him and stimpy getting like dumb luck and that that is really that's really it i'm really glad that they added this part into it otherwise you just showed zero relationship whatsoever so rich i think that is a really good segue into things we loved about this pilot uh things that maybe we didn't discuss that uh, you know touched us or that we were pleasantly surprised about when we watched this max were there any things that 
you saw in this pilot that maybe we didn't discuss? I mean, I'm just going to keep going back to the old Hollywood of it all from the way that it has certain orchestral music swells to that old like children's variety show that Stimpy mm-hmm. is obsessed with to the cartoon references to the animation style to the way they show like the babes at the pool and like the old kind of like 1950s swimwear and eyewear um the nostalgia factor is so cranked up in this show and as someone who grew up on both like 90s nickelodeon but also at the time when boomerang first came out on Mm -hmm. tv providers and like had a parent who was obsessed with being able to share those cartoons with his son, you know, I I understood those other references, like being able to clock Pixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx. Like that's really fun. I, I don't know. This, this show comes from a real sincere place, despite everything that I think it's best known for in retrospect. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I would definitely agree. Like I love the idea of, thinking of this show as let's not set it right now. Mm -hmm. Let's set it to a time that we know all about. We know how, even though everything seemed picture perfect, it wasn't, there was like almost this darkness to the reality that we were trying to spit out or the reality we were trying to meet. Um, And I really came out on the other side being like, though that's where the, real comedy of this comes from it's not from you know oh look at this ridiculous chihuahua and look at this ridiculous cat that's loafing around in their trailer it's no let's let's have this commentary on like some of the things that were wild in like the 50s and were said to us as children that might be true and like let's put it in a cartoon that children are watching and maybe they'll catch a thing here and there Rich, any other things that you really loved about this? Yeah, I I think knowing a little bit more of the history of it after watching it made me appreciate his or like the entire group's appreciation of old timey cartoons where it was just, you know, I, I think what you're seeing here is kind of like rebelling from the 80s pummeling of tons of different types of cartoons like only built for merchandising and stuff like that. And what you see here is like, you know, the characters kind of almost don't even look the same shot to shot, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a very interesting touch. Like you're, you're watching this as someone who is, I think, I think cartoons lose a lot when they are, when they lose that DIY feeling to it, there's like, I, I think one of the reasons that people feel so reverential for the older Simpsons episodes, um, aside from the fact that they're better um, <laughs> and and are just are better written, uh, is the fact that the cartoon doesn't look perfect. It is not a computer generator. I mean, they are like slightly computer generated, but they are not like there is still a feel of like, oh, Matt Groening drew this, you know, or um the same can be said about uh, a bunch of different shows, even from the 2000s and stuff like that. You do lose something. The South Park episodes right now, because they are so they've always been computer generated. But the the way that they have improved their graphics has made that show a little bit off putting. And things are a little like, you know, like they're a little uncanny valley feeling. But this overly feels. Slick. Yeah, they they this feels like someone drew this. It feels like it could be a frame by frame cartoon or comic book if they wanted. And it just like, you can, you just feel a closer connection to it when it is something that is hand drawn art. And I do appreciate uh, their collective appreciation of what the cartoons used to be and not necessarily like it being solely to sell toys. And before we get to the next thing, I think it's worth noting because you said like comic book-esque, there was a companion comic with Marvel Comics for Red and Stimpy as mm-hmm. well. Oh. It's, it's not as, uh, you know, historical legacy as the show itself. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a companion comic. So yeah, that was part of it too. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. So, But before we talk about that, um, wait a minute moments. 
for <laughs> this pilot. And I'll kick us off, and I think we talked about it a little bit. Like, let's just take off the idea that there are parts of this animation <clears throat> that are gross. Like, that sure. are, like, very, very much deep diving into being gross. Um, excluding that, were there any other things about this pilot that you, you know, sort of left you being like, eh, maybe not? Yeah, that did you guys was... hear about the guy that made this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about that. <laughs> and Max, what about you, having known all about this guy who made this thing? I mean, his legacy is just that it's nasty. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I was going to say, also- Jeff, Jeff, going uh, like uh, immediately eliminating the grossness of the show was like, all right, well, uh, okay, next segment, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, or or I could just talk about how this aired in front of Kindergarten Cop for 20 minutes and how that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's big play to become a family man actor after being an action hero star for so many years. Richest uh, question of the week, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's um, two segments in one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, yeah, any other wait a minute moments for either of y'all? I think that's about it for me. <laughs> no. All right, cool. Um, well, one of the questions that I was talking to a friend about this and let's talk about in-flight questions, talking to a friend about us doing this pilot um, and the nostalgia of it, but also Rich, you sort of secretly brought it up. The idea of this was a show that a lot of kids were not allowed to watch mm-hmm. or their parents told them, Hey, you're not allowed to watch this show. And their question to me was, what other shows as a kid were you not allowed to watch or your parents said that is not allowed in our household? To give you an example, I'll give two. Uh, I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons or South Park growing up as a kid. One of those makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let you take a guess. The other was just because my parents thought it was nasty, uh, which is like, interesting but also like one of both of those shows are still on the air so like jokes on them uh (laughs) rich what what about you yeah i got um i remember distinctly getting into big trouble because i bought at best buy the first season of family guy when it was like very very crudely drawn and very um I don't know. There's a lot of like sex jokes there's a lot of like drinking humor and stuff like that it was very you know, I, th- I think I was 10 when that first season came out, maybe 11. So this is definitely like, you know, not for me yet, but it was it eventually became like, you know, I, I think there is a certain level that you get to with your parents where they're like, OK, that's probably enough cartoons. We have now rotted your brain for eight or nine years with this. Maybe it's time to watch something live action or just not watch TV at all, which is great because we're already thoroughly addicted to it. <laughs> Max, what about, you, what about Max? you? You you the, grew up as a single child in a household, so you were allowed to do basically anything. Was there anything <laughs> you weren't allowed to do? No, no, no. We the, are not. The, the point of this podcast is not that Ricky Singer is a bad parent. <laughs> we love I'm Ricky. We love that. Ricky very I'm much. She was very attentive. <laughs> I, I might be making a commentary on children that grow up being given everything by their parents well, because they're the only one. To Rich's point, I, I did grew up with a, a wonderful mom, but she also worked. I had a stay-at-home dad who didn't care as much. Um, <laughs> however, there were certain boundaries, and by boundaries, I mean don't tell your mother. Um, however, I was not allowed to watch South Park when I was younger, and then the other one that was my like real rebellious one was I wasn't allowed to watch King of the Hill because it was too adult. Oh, interesting. So when I was growing up, syndicated, they would show The Simpsons at 5 and King of the Hill at 5.30, and that was when the channel had to get changed. Interesting. Um, ever now, Kick in the Hill is probably my favorite animated show. So <laughs> yeah. again, guess what, Bob? I'm watching Kick in the Hill. I'm watching <laughs> Red and Stimpy. What are you going to do about it? Ricky, Ricky's I'll talk to Max call, about this. Yeah, Ricky's going to listen to this episode. Hey, call guys, you afterwards. Do, I'm not allowed to do the pod anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, oh can God. Max come out and record a three, uh, a two-hour podcast? Hey. Hey, can Max come back inside and do the pod? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, uh, 
that was our question, uh, or excuse me, our in-flight question. We'll talk a little bit more about how to submit those later. Uh, but let's and talk none about of the- our listeners are darks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the legacy of the show. Five seasons, 52 episodes of this, which actually for a cartoon, very, very much. That's a lot. Limited. I, I was Isn't actually going to say it's a lot of seasons. It's a limited amount of episodes because usually you knock out like 24 episodes to like 30 or plus. Uh, but this is wow. also after we've done Pokemon, which has like four years worth of episodes. Yeah. Um, so uh- the show originally aired on Nickelodeon, uh, but the final season was actually on MTV. And Max, when you talked about, Max and Rich, when you, we talked about the idea of who was this show for, I think that MTV is where this show sort of belonged, but MTV needed Beavis and Butthead to be able to understand that there was an audience for animation on the original version of MTV. Um, the show was actually super well received. Um, it actually doubled the viewership of any other animated Nickelodeon show at that time and was wow. at one point in time, the most watched TV show on cable TV. Uh, there was an attempted revival of the show in 2003 that was going to be on Spike TV, uh, but it was canceled because, well, Spike TV is Spike TV and that no longer exists. Thank God. Uh, there are multiple video games for the show that you can find as well as uh, this is our first show that you can find on Laserdisc uh, if you look hard enough for it. So hell yeah. Um <laughs> The, the show is also on DVD. Um, there, we talked a little bit about the comic book series. Uh, that comic book series was in a partnership with Marvel that lasted for three years uh, during the show's run. And good news, everyone. Uh, the show has been ordered for a reboot. So, you know, maybe we'll be seeing more of Ren and Stimpy. Are you saying that Stimpy's an Avenger? You know, Stimpy, oh, that's such a good question, is what is Stimpy's superpower? Uh, I wish we had that as our in-flight question, but we did not. Uh, But speaking of great questions. It's innocence. (laughs) Speaking of great questions, Rich, what is your game of the week? Oh, let's dig into a little bit of Nickelodeon trivia. Um, I obviously, um, this show being from like kind of the dawn of Nickelodeon animation just like brought back so many great memories. There is a terrific documentary on one of the streaming services. I want to say it's called the orange years or the orange rule or rules or something like that. I can't remember uh, precisely. Um, I watched it while making dinner. And uh, it was absolutely terrific. It will send you down a rabbit hole of like of pure nostalgia. And also like it is really nice seeing how gung ho all these people who founded the Nickelodeon network or like tried to make it what it is right now, how much effort they wanted to put into making things fun for children. And I like that's a level of motivation and kind of like anti-capitalism that uh, I thought was pretty shocking for that era and i like i commend all of them on that it was like it was fun first money second which i thought was really cool um i did have a i have a couple facts about nickelodeon and i uh want to see if you guys can get it right the creator of you can't do that on television was sued for copyright infringement on sliming by the creators of a surge cola b the movie ghostbusters c the movie alien or D Jamba Juice. I've got to say it's Ghostbusters because of Slimer. Ooh, I'm gonna say Jamba Juice just to say something a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> it was Ghostbusters, and uh, they eventually dropped the copyright infringement suit because he had actually been doing that show since 1979, five years before uh, Ghostbusters even came out. Uh, which of these things was never an ingredient used in Nickelodeon's green slime? A, cream of wheat. B, cottage cheese. C, cream of mushroom soup. D, baby shampoo. Max, the look that Max is giving me right now is one of true horror. <laughs> oh, we just spent an hour talking about Red and Stimpy. That's the grossest thing I heard all day. <laughs> I was 
I was very much prepared for you to say uh, Gritty Kitty. Uh, just going to say that. <laughs> um, I am going to go because I'm pretty sure Cream of Wheat I know was one. Um, I'm pretty sure Baby Shampoo because if it gets in your eyes, they didn't want to have children crying on air. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say Cream of Mushroom Soup. Uh, that is correct. It is Cream of Mushroom Soup. They used just like an upsetting uh, like just blend of gross gross foods for this and the fact that they tried using cottage cheese which is a real ingredient that they did attempt um i read one little portion of this that said uh they had to substitute out the cream of wheat because it was baking in the lights at the double dare studio <laughs> it's like <laughs> Max, I would just want to talk about this particular clue, this particular question for like another 20 minutes to see if I can get you to yak on air. Oh my God. (laughs) Save it for the Patreon, Max. That's where people pay for the ASMR. All right. And the last question I have for you on the history of Nickelodeon, uh, the voice of Tommy Pickles and Rugrats also had a breakout role in what? A, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, B, Richie Rich, C, Clueless, and D, Mr. Mom. I know this one. I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel. It's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Shout out to Elizabeth E.G. Daly. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. That was very impressive. I love that. All right. Well, Rich, thank you for some really awesome questions. uh, And one awful one. Game of the Week. Yeah. (laughs) For the person that... That was maybe my favorite question I've asked you guys so far. (laughs) the person that's very familiar with food safety needs uh i think max died a little bit inside with that thought. um well boys our flight is coming to a land um and as we conclude this episode of tv pilots license i have two final questions for you one based off of the two versions of the pilot that we watched um would you continue watching the original version of this show and two, you know, we talked a little bit about there being a reboot. Do you think that has a place in the world of animation that we live in today? Um, Max, tell me your thoughts. As for when I continue watching this, while I, while I enjoy it, I don't think it's a thing that I'm going to keep going back to the well and wanting to watch more of. I think that for all of the nostalgia that I like, the gross out humor overshadows it a little bit for me. And I just don't think it'd be like a relaxing watch. Could it be made today? Absolutely. And because of how much it harkens back to like older pop culture, I would love to see what this new version that's in the works right now with, you know, Billy West returning, what it could cook up, what it could parody that feels relevant to the jokes that it made in like 1991 that were like 25 years old, like what it could do with that kind of separation now. Um, I think also like you, you look at how much it's influenced. You see that close up, gross up humor in SpongeBob and Powerpuff Girls and Cow and Chicken. You see those weird exasperated faces and reactions and things like Adventure Time. Like this show's cachet and legacy runs so deep in animation that yeah bringing it back does make sense rich what about you yeah i couldn't agree more i think um you know i and i am a little bit biased on this i do have a friend that could potentially be involved with the with the reboot of this but um i really i you know i think as long as it keeps the same spirit of like hey we're making this for kids but also it can be a commentary it can be fun and artsy. It doesn't have to be this thing that we're going to turn into this like capitalist nightmare. And, uh, you know, I, I really, I really do think that there is a place for that and people want that art. Um, I think, especially with how much we are kind of forced to know about streaming networks at this point and just the money that changes hands between everything, it would be nice to see something that is just kind of pure fun and, 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 uh, goes back into the art of the animation. I don't know if I'm going to watch any more of uh, the older series, just because I have kind of a sicker stomach, I would say. I do not like the close-up, gross-out hu- uh, gross humor. And, you know, it is just something that 
just was not for my tastes in general. My parents turned it off immediately when I was a kid. Like it was very, it was very much like, uh, it, it was persona non grata in the house, but also like, I, you know, that doesn't keep me from watching anything else that was like that either. So I, I really, yeah, I, I'm going no on the older series. I'm going hell yes on the newer one. Um, what about you, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think you guys both echoed my thoughts. I, I, as far as watching this version of the show on a frequent basis, probably not on a one-off basis. Yeah. I, I definitely can take an episode here or there. I don't think this is a show that you need to be binging. Yeah. Right. Um, I think this is a show that if I was over, uh, at either of your houses and we were getting ready to go out, maybe, um, I'd throw on an episode of this just, for like kicks. What are we going to do? What are we about to do that this sets the mood we're going we're, we're to eat cottage cheese right no. next to a heat lamp no. at Max's <laughs> home. Um no, I I I genuinely think that um I could watch an episode or two. This is not a show that I would be watching by myself. I definitely had weird feelings watching this alone. Mm-hmm. Um with that being said, as far as a reboot, yeah. I I see there being a place for this. Um, I think Ren and Stimpy is a different type of humor that we need to do. I'm totally down for not edgelord humor for this too. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not edgelord, not like, Oh, don't be a sheep. Just, you know, be smart with your humor. With that being said, our flight has come to a land and I'd love to hear where we can find you two gentlemen. You could catch me shampooing the rug and eating creamed asparagus and on all things social media at Maxwell Sing. You can you can find me squishing it between my toes and also <laughs> damn that's rich on Instagram. <laughs> and you can find me hiding cottage cheese in Max's lights. Uh, so <laughs> but you can also find me on social media at run Jeff Run. You can find the TV pilots license on YouTube. Uh, Twitter, other social medias at TV Pilots License. You can find us on anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram. We have a lot of exciting new stuff coming up and we can't wait for you to listen to it. But with the point... With the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, see you next time.